Welcome to the second half of the movie, which is going to be completely different from the first half of the movie because... We're finally in Vegas! We're going to do what the movie title says we're going to do now. Hi, I'm James. That's America. This is City Wave Cinema. We're talking about the Flintstones' Viva Rock Vegas, the second half. Because in the first half, you know, they do the regular first Flintstones movie. And now in the second half, they're going to do the new Flintstones movie where they go to Vegas and do Vegas things, right? And once again, I am just tickled to death to see that the set dressing is good. Like, it looks like caveman Vegas. There's a lot more neon lights than I think there should be. But it looks like caveman Vegas, and I fucking love it. And it, like, I know the movie sucks, and the plot sucks, and the acting is terrible. But man, did they work on that set. Man, did they work. Um... I don't know why, but flying on the back of a pterodactyl is somehow less terrifying than air travel today for me. Because uh, that's how we get to Viva Rock Vegas. That is how we get there. We fly on the back of a dinosaur. Is we fly on the back of a pterodactyl. And then we listen to the song Viva Rock Vegas, which is essentially <laughs> Viva Las Vegas by Elvis, but you just replace the loss with rock. Otherwise, it's the exact same song with all the exact same words. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and it's a horrible cover. I would have just... It's by the rescues, I think. It's meh. It's meh at best. I would have just rather them played Las Vegas. Or had the McJagger guy sing it. He did a better version at the end of the movie than was <laughs> in the that part, but whatever. We get this little montage of them, like, hanging out in Vegas. They're swimming. They're gambling. They're eating. They're having a time. Uh, Fred does a cannonball into the pool and makes all the water leave the pool, and that was kind of funny. And, uh, right after that scene, do you have anything about Vegas before I get into the plot? No, I just have notes about the plot. And my first question to you is this. In what prehistoric era did they invent security cameras? Yeah, because we get to this creepy as fuck moment of, uh, Chip. 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 <laughs> chip cliff cliff chip they're the same chip. guy they're the same guy you could tell me that it was the same actor and i would believe you the funny thing like we the, talk about the moment and then i'll talk about my note because oh my god well we have this creepy as fuck moment where i'm just gonna call him chiff now chiff is spying through a CCTV camera in his office at Wilma and Fred. And then proceeds to do the mil the villain thing where he monologues about his evil plan to people that are in the room, which is just his quote-unquote girlfriend. Um... And I will leave it there before I say my next note, because James is trying to swallow ice cream as fast as he possibly can to say his words. Listen, I know this is the prequel sequel, but this is the same villainy setup from the first movie with a new bad guy that is exactly like the old bad guy. So much so, I can't remember their names. And a new assistant... Who is just like the old assistant, except the new assistant isn't Halle Berry, so she can't be a 
oozing sex symbol. She just looks like Jessica Rabbit. She doesn't have a good face. We it's, she doesn't. It's not her fault. She's but just she drawn doesn't. that way. We've uh, circled back to a conversation James and I were having earlier today. Sorry. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. It's just so ridiculous that they just ripped the same fucking type of plot. And then guess who is in the room to hear the entire plan for no reasons that make sense to the plot because he's supposed to be following Fred and Barney around. But uh, Gazoo is just there. And here's the whole thing. Uh-huh. And then proceeds to tell no one anything. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, Gazoo does not tell Fred about the plan. Like, he's like, huh, you don't know what you're getting into. And then just disappears. Instead of being all like, dude, you know that dude that invited you here? I just heard him upstairs talking about... He's how, trying to steal your girl. How he's going to steal Wilma from you. And he owes these other guys a bunch of fucking money, and that's why he wants to marry her, so he can pay off his debts. Dude, the mafia subplot line was so silly, because they get one of the most famous little people actors. He's he's one of my favorites. He's so good. He's in a lot of things. He's in so many things. Also, that's not politically correct. Well, what the fuck is politically correct? Danny Woodburn. This guy, dude... Legend. Born in 64, he has been in so many things. Been in Seinfeld, The Watchmen. Like, he's such a talented guy, right? And he's in this fucking movie with some other big galoot who, they're, they're like the fucking, they're just the mafia. They're like the cavemen mafia. And they roll up and they're like, hey, Chiff, you owe our boss who will not be named, by the way, X amount of money that will not be disclosed, by the way. And if you don't pay him, the man who will not be named, the amount of money that will not be named, we're going to break your legs off. And that's the driving force of the rest of the movie. Is a plot with no detail about a guy who owes someone we don't know a bunch of money, but we don't know how much. And the only way that he can save his own ass, not like he's not operating what will in absolutely be a profitable casino right now, not like he's going to make the money to pay it back. They're like, we need it now. And he's like, I got to marry the gal so I can have her fortune. So contrived, so stupid, so ridiculous. It's in, it's so inept. Yes. To answer your question, uh, and for anyone listening who has questions about it, when you're referring to um, a person with disability, you refer to them as a person with that disability. So a person with dwarfism. Or that a feels so much worse to say. With autism or a person, um, a person of short stature would also work. Um, but those, because they're... That's, that's, that's the answer. I have thoughts and opinions that don't matter. Um, so Fred's getting lucky. Not in like the getting lucky. He's uh, literally like rolling in dough. So much dough that he could buy Wilma a ring and a house. Um, but instead of cashing out like the smart people do in Vegas, 
he uh, wants to go for more, and Barney's trying to talk him out of it, and uh, Chiff, Chip, Chiff. Cliff just shows up and is like, buddy, why not go over to where the high rollers are and win even more money? And, and Barney's, Barney's like, like, no. He's like, don't do that. And then uh, Chip Cliff is like. Who is it? Cliff? Chip. Chip Rockefeller. Fucking, just remember it. <laughs> You're an actor, you know lines. Just remember the two words. It's not even a whole line. <laughs> Chip Rockefeller. That's the guy's name. Um, we keep saying Cliff. People are going to get confused. They're like, what movie were you watching? I don't know. Chiff. Fuck's sakes. Uh, but he goes up to Barney and is like, hey, why don't you and uh, my friend here Roxy. go to the buffet? And Barney has none of the subtlety of just um, James can demonstrate for you of when he's talking to Roxy for the first time just... The entire time. Locked in on boobs. And he just, just walks off that way, looking at her Where's boobs. the buffet? Uh-huh. Yep, <laughs> here we go. Um, and I just wrote, way to be subtle there, Barn. Like. Way to be subtle there, Barn. Um. And so. Chip. Uh, is like, we'll give you a loan of this very large pile of clams. And my question is, Fred is sitting in front of a very large pile of clams. Why can't he just take those clams to the high roller section? His already large pile of clams. And then he also just leaves the table and leaves his very large pile of clams, which if you don't know and you're just new here, clams is their currency, is clamshells, uh, just leaves all his clams that he won at the crab's table. And it like it literally blew like it was my it was probably the most frustrating moment to me in the entire movie because I was like he he has a large pile of clams he doesn't need a loan he can go to the high roller with his large pile of clams that he already has and then he just also doesn't take any of his clams he had like enough money to buy a ring and a house and doesn't take any of the clams and then gets into a million dollar debt on a loan from Chip when he already had a giant pile of clams that is bigger than the bucket of clams he has after playing at the high roller table. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done until he uh, the switch gets flicked. So, if you have anything between... Oh my god, I forgot about the Switch. Between now and then. Um, I just read that the second plot sucks. And then I didn't say anything else until we meet Mick Jagged. So, carry on. I, I literally didn't... I, like, was so absorbed in how stupid everything was, I didn't take notes. Uh, I'll give you the quick rundown. Basically, Betty sees Barney at the buffet with the showgirl... Sorry. Um, I got told I was yelling too much. Uh, Barney gets caught by Betty wiping pie off the showgirl's boobs. Oops. Betty thinks he's cheating on her. She goes and cries. Enter 
the Mc- a character that could only be a cartoon. Mick Jagged is that Mick Jagged. Mick Jagged. Yep. Okay. They don't pronounce the second G or the D, but it's Mick Jagged. And he's there like caveman Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. He's there like Mick Jagger. But like arguably hornier. Like, like. That's how Mick Jagger is. Hornier for England, I should say. Hips like Jack. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Like he's got the British flag on twice is what I'm trying to get out of here. And yeah, he's like a playboy and he's horny for the girls or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Very specifically talking about. He is so obsessed with country that he's got the British flag in this floofy yak hair puffy coat thing. Pretty sure that's how he used to look. And then twice. Wait, is there footage of Mick Jagger doing that? Because, whoa. I mean, he wore crazy shit like that. Yeah, but Mick Jagger's cool now. Um, He's he was also cool back now. then. Mick Jagged also, like, the actor wasn't English, and he did an English accent, and you can tell. Uh, He's also a pile of shit. And just ev- everything that goes on from now until... I mean, they really did a good job. Everything that goes on from now until the end of the movie is just villainy. Like, it's just bad things that happen front to back. Non-stop. It's, ki- it's kind of ridiculous, if I'm being honest. Like, there's so much bad shit that happens. Do you have more? About Mick Jagger? Yeah. Or about anything until the Switch? Um, no, I don't have anything until the Switch. Alright, carry on then with the Switch. Uh, okay. It's Chip in his office where the paintings go up and down. Um, after Fred and Wilma get in a fight, because Fred's been winning and he wants to win more, and him and Wilma get in a fight because Wilma thought that he wasn't greedy and not about money. And now he's being really greedy. Um, and in order to do his plot, Chip needs to make Fred lose all the money he's won. Not really sure why. Uh, but he has this giant switch in his office that turns the casino from... Win. Win to lose. Which is some of the silliest shit. But also, how real-life casinos work. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it definitely this... I will say this Flintstones. I feel like the other Flintstones movie, like, basically, like, tried to portray the cartoon as if it was real life. This one, I feel like, did... Had more cartoony. It was a little bit more cartoony, wasn't it? Vibes like there's one where like Fred's floating over the casino floor to put like the clam in the slot machine that wins a million dollars. When he's losing all his money, he gets like shrunk down and chased by dice. Like it, this one didn't shy away from the cartoon. Um, whereas I feel like the other Flintstones movie tried to make it, like actively tried to avoid it. Yeah, like or not even avoid it, but they tried to make it like the Flintstone was a live-action movie, and it was real. Yeah, This one just, like, swung a little bit more into the cartoony. Um, And so Fred loses all his money, and Gazoo is an asshole for not telling Fred... I have that written down. ...what was going on, because Gazoo knows. Gazoo knows everything that's happening. 
Um, and he doesn't give Fred any helpful advice at all. Now, what we uh, have neglected to mention is that Cliff, nope, Chip. Chip has also set it up so that there's robberies happening in the hotel. So Wilma needs to put her pearls in the hotel safe, giving Chip access to them to set up the fucking Titanic plot. Which sees we watched the Titanic and remade it. Um, if you are like James and you haven't seen the Titanic, because you're up. They're gonna, a crazy they're gonna, person. They're going to stab me in the neck. Yeah, also, if we do the Titanic for this podcast, it will easily be, like, four episodes. Jesus Christ. It's such a long-ass movie. Um, but they do the Titanic plot where they, like, slip the necklace into Fred's pocket, and he doesn't notice, and then later when they're like, turn out your pockets, he's like, uh, uh, caught red-handed with the necklace. Um, I have a note about that. It would be fine if it wasn't already done by the Titanic. Yeah, like if this was the first time anyone had ever done a scene like that, it wouldn't be... And to be honest, this the whole scene where they do this is like... They, they, Chip's got this whole grandiose thing and he's going to call Fred out in front of all these people for being this high criminal or whatever. And he, he beckons the room to admit their wrongdoings. And people just start coming out of the woodwork admitting to shit. Well, it starts off with a lady being like, I, I stole, stole the hotel towels. towels. Oh, It's so funny. And then another guy says... I've been systematically trying to poison the dinosaurs. They'll all be extinct in a couple of years. Yeah, he's everyone like, goes, "Fuck you!" Everyone's just like, "That's so silly, conspiracy guy." <laughs> and then another guy turns to a girl so that he's silly. With. Another guy turns to a girl that he's with, and we're gonna have a really inappropriate joke about um grooming and underage. Things oh where the guy God. turns to the girl and he goes, how old were you again? I fucking forgot. It was one of the band members. And I was just like, oh. Oh my God, okay. I forgot about that. Um, we both like looked at each other when that happened. We were like, wow, okay. Some jokes fucking. you could make before that you cannot make now. Um, Yeah, so everyone's just coming out with these things. Uh... And it was just, it was just really silly. It was. Because it just made Chip more and more frustrated. And then he just like, without doing, without saying it in as many words, he was like, Fred, you did it. And Fred's like, no, I didn't look in my pockets. And then he goes, fuck a necklace, shit. And then I'm like, well, off to jail with you. And Wilma goes, <laughs> and leaves. And then Barney's like, Fred's not smart enough to pull this off. He wouldn't be able to do it without me helping him. And Chip has 36 brain cells, and all of them were like, ah, an opportunity. He's like, thanks for admitting thanks to being his being accomplice. His... And he went, you're welcome. Huh? And then they went to jail. Um, There was a line here sometime that I don't remember what it was, but it was I wrote that it was funny, and I wrote beast line, but now I don't remember... Beast line. What the beast line was. <laughs> oh, it was uh, Wilma's mom comes up to comfort Wilma because we just have to make Wilma feel, kick her while she's down. Every time she's feeling low, her mom's got to show up to make things worse. Every time she shows up on screen, I wish for death. And uh, what we did 
with her mom here was she, uh, she goes, at least he rescued you from that beast. And Wilma goes, Fred's not a beast. He was just raised by them. And I was like, that's that. Well, that was funny. Like James said, there's a few lines here and there that really, like, bring the movie around. There's not as many rock puns either. Which, depending on who you are as a person, is a good thing or a bad thing. Um... So it was very much like just a nice little throwaway line. Um, and then we cut back to prison. Nope. Oh. Chip's office where the guys are crushing his head in with like a vice. And yeah. see, sometimes there are really good lines in this movie. And then there are other times where they forgot to do that. Where people said things, and I was confused for the entirety time. Um, which, this one was when the... What we didn't say is, uh, Chip has this remote that controls his entire Oh, yeah. Office. This weird little thing. But really, it's just a bird trapped inside, like, this case. And if he presses the button, the bird goes and flies and does whatever he wants. Like, shuts the door, changes the channel, it's turns like a, off the thing. It's like a universal remote, but with a bird inside. Um, and then the bird... As they're crushing his head with the vice and they're like, give us our money. The bird pops out and says like this out of nowhere line. About like, I might be out of work tomorrow. I need to get paid. And that's the whole line. And the, no context. No one was talking to the bird. The, nothing was going on. He like came out of the remote to say this line and then went back into the remote. And then no one interacted with it in any way. I swear to God, they made the movie, forgot that they had that piece of B-roll in there. And shipped it. There's a couple of things that I'm wondering if that was like that. Like uh, Their editor should be fucking murdered. I think there was more that happened with Fred and Barney and Gazoo before they went to BK. And that's why it felt like such a weird jump in time. Because we went from be them being in their house to them basically trying to get the girls on dates. And I felt like we missed like... And they were in pajamas. Yeah, they were in pajamas and then they were... I, I don't know. It was weird. Um... So I just feel like there were things that were cut that would make some of these things make more sense. But then they didn't cut all the things. And so then there's just random things that don't make sense now. Um, but then we cut to prison. And Barney and Fred are mourning themselves and Gazoo pops in. To do Gazoo things. And he's like, well, I could have told you this was all going to happen. I was like, yeah, but you didn't, Gazoo. You didn't say shit. You knew that there was a whole plot to get Fred put in prison and for Chip to marry Wilma, and you didn't do a fucking thing. You didn't say a fucking word. And, you know, for someone here who's, like, here to witness the, like, mating rituals of humans, you would think that the humans you were uh, following around and trying to get, like, obs observations done with, you would want them to stay with the significant other so you could observe their mating rituals instead of, I don't know, just letting the whole fucking plot happen and you knowing all of it and not doing a fucking thing and then just showing up to prison being like could have told you about that but he you didn't he like makes this like little half-ass point about how like he can't interfere with anything but doesn't explain why and then the barney and fred are crying and it makes gazoo cry and then they fucking fucking the uh barney like sees tissues on the cop's desk and so he stumbles through the bars out of the cell into the office to get the tissues and Fred sees this and is laughing and is, is stopped crying he's like aha 
And then Barney, you know, slips back through the cell bars into the cell to give Fred a tissue. And they, like, yell at him a little bit. They're like, hey, you fit through the bars. And he goes, oh, I should have tried that. And then they get the keys and Gazoo interferes, just like he said he was not supposed to do. And helps get them out of jail. I wrote a note that Gazoo is an ass who makes up rules that aren't real. Because then he, I can't interfere. <sighs> Immediately interferes. And I'm like, you're just an ass. Yep. This much. is why they shipped you off your fucking spaceship at the beginning of the movie and sent you to Earth. is because everyone fucking hates you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, He also does this thing where he brings out a projector screen that shows a holographic image. And the caveman, because let's not forget that this is a movie about cavemen. The cavemen are not terrified by the holographic moving pictures. Oh, not bothered by it, really. I feel like they would have some questions. I don't know. Um, I have questions. Then we get, they break out of jail. There's a manhunt for them. They start handing out the flyers, which I told you about in episode one. They've got the the cartoon character faces. They've got faces the cartoon character faces on them. And like I said, anytime they use the cartoon pictures to represent the characters, it's just clever. It's funny. It's a small wink wink nudge nudge, like a if ni- you know, you know moment. A nice little haha. Um And then my next note is about racism. Yeah, Barney does a racism. But okay, so we have to give context. They do this chase sequence where they pay homage to a uh, 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 White Christmas, where they get Barney and Fred dolled up like showgirls in order to get past security and into the place so they can do whatever it is they need to do. And they're doing they do a whole showgirls routine, and it's it's a little humorous. It's not as good as the one from White Christmas because you know they were like talented and wanted to be there. Uh, but they do this whole thing, and it's. A little funny and then they're the security spots them and they have to run and so they bail out and they bust through these doors and they slam them shut behind them and in this room surprise surprise it's mick jagged and betty o'shale who are we looking for betty o'shale who did we not want on screen anymore mick jagged so then barney wants to defend his girl from mick jagged because he is stupid and loves Betty. And so he, they, they have a the silliest little punch slap fight. And then fucking McJagged gives him one of the look at this hand, bow, gives him the cross with the other hand. And Barney goes, ah. And then he says, what, what is it he says? He says, take this, you take, foreigner. Take this, you foreigner. <laughs> And me and James had a similar reaction to when we heard the uh, grooming joke earlier, which was, we just looked at each other, we're like, what? Barney's racist, question mark? Did Barney Rubble do a racism? He did! He did! Some of the, it's such a funny fucking thing, because it's so, like, egregiously on the wrong side of, like, classified okay jokes to make. That it's like it's so far gone that it is hilarious that he would say it because within the context of cavemen, there aren't countries, there is no foreigner, there isn't, everyone's there, 
the whole population's just there. There can't be a foreigner. So the joke in itself is racist because of who wrote it and when they wrote it and the time period that they wrote it in. But in the context of the movie, it's an impossibility and cannot exist. It's so fucking dumb and funny that you have to laugh at it and then you have to feel a little bit bad about it. Um, I don't make the rules. We then cut to outside where people are waiting for Mick Jagged's show. Uh, and we see Chip macking on Wilma. Fail miserably multiple times. He's doing such a bad job. To ask Wilma to marry him and get Wilma to say yes so he can have her fortune. And the mob guys are sitting like diagonally behind them. So like over there <laughs> where he can see them and they can see him and they just keep her like. They keep making threatening gestures and eating meats aggressively. It's so funny. It's a great it's a great scene, and he's just like panicking, like, marry me, please marry me. And she's Wilma's just like, I don't know. There's a lot going on. I, I just, need to work on is, myself. I need to think about this. And it's like we went from a movie that was so bad it was bad to a movie that was so bad that it was a little funny. And it's I love when we reach that point. And then my next note is I'll say this about the guy who plays Chip. He has great facial reactions to things that are happening because we get the most interesting scene in the entire movie of Fred Flintstone play acting singing in a very furry Mick Jagged style jacket a song by the stones. By the Rolling Stones. To Wilma. And serenading her. And uh, everyone is confused because Fred is not Mick Jagged. And he can't sing either. And uh, so Wilma's like swooning, but everyone else is just kind of like. Uh, uh, and they keep like uh. cutting to like other characters like Wilma's mom and Chip. And uh, they like Chip just had really great like background acting, and I had to shout out the actor for that because that's something that's always like the thing I look for sometimes is if you're in the background of a scene, like are you also still in the scene? Are you your character in the background of a scene? And Chip was like hundred percent like he was sitting there watching Fred sing, and like from the long shot, I could just see him like like <laughs> like just the whole time, and it was really good. Uh, and then. Uh, Fred sings a song. He proposes to Wilma. Wilma, and then my favorite part—I think I'm going to declare this is my favorite part of the movie—is the guy who has uh, told everyone that he's going to murder all the dinosaurs comes back and is like, "Seriously, is no one worried about the poisoning of the dinosaurs?" And everyone just—the whole room in this lounge in Rock, Rock Vegas goes, "Shut up." And I was just like, the dinosaur murderer is my favorite part of this whole movie. I wrote a similar note as my last note. I said, listen, I got to be honest. The side plots in this movie are infinitely more interesting than the side plots in the first movie. And they're more interesting than the actual plot of the movie in reference to the colonel and everything going on with him. He's Tiffany's a crazy nose. Tiffany's nose. Uh, Gazoo existing. That I thought was very interesting. 
Um, the and the dinosaur, dinosaur poisoner. Yeah. Like, I, I want to watch that movie. I the, They included so many fun little riff ideas that if they thought about those fun little riff ideas could have just been movies instead of this one because this one sucked and was not fun. Uh, the, the last act of the movie was a lot funnier and had better flow and synergy than the first two acts of the movie. But... And really, it just felt like a two-act show anyway. But the fucking... It was such a bad movie. This was so bad. Um, And so... Like, two out of ten. Would not recommend. Like we said, uh, Wilma and Fred are going to get married. But, like, apparently, like, immediately, like... That night. Right then. Uh, on the spot. Because that's the next scene. And everyone's in the same clothes that they were wearing literally moments ago. So Fred and Wilma are just getting married. Um, and then Dino's at the wedding, and I had questions about how Dino got there because he wasn't there the rest of the time they were in Vegas. That's true. They did not bring him to Vegas. But he was there for the wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That definitely happened, like, that same night. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then everyone starts singing the, Fl the Flintstones, and then we have a choreographed dance number to Viva Rock Vegas at the end that's sung by... The guy who plays McJagged, which was much better than the cover they did before. It was a whole thing. And a whole thing. It was just a really goofy little funny ending. Um, Props to them for really trying at the end. Yeah. Not in terms of a plot, but in terms of, like, quality of scene. Overall, probably my least favorite movie that we've watched for this podcast. But it did have a lot of redeeming factors for being so bad. James and I were talking about it. We're like, you know, if we could take, like, certain elements from the first one and certain elements from the second one and, like, smush them together, we would have a really excellent Flintstones movie. If you give me Wilma from the first movie. Betty from the Betty second one. Betty from the one, second movie. Barney from the Barney first one. Barney and Fred from the first movie. See, I could almost deal with Fred from this one because I felt like he was a little bit more, like, Fred was in the con or like in the cartoon. Yeah, but I think John Goodman's good enough; he can do it. Yeah, John Goodman did and do good. I, I think, didn't have complaints about either Fred. I think they were both. Yeah, relatively. I, I good. don't know. I think John Goodman's voice was a little bit better, but that it's a neither here nor there thing. John Goodman definitely played a better, like older Fred. I think this guy played a good young I think he played Fred. It, okay, I, well, yeah, I, I, I guess I can give you that. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell was in this movie, by the way. She voiced the the, the octopus masseuse. masseuse. Yeah. Who found out what Calamari was. Again, like, throwaway lines that are just so good. Um, and then I had to explain to James what Calamari was, and then... I'm, I'm not a knowledgeable man. Sometimes when you gotta explain jokes, they're, they're not, not as funny anymore. <laughs> jokes aren't good if you have to explain them. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's kind of it. Yeah. It's kind of the movie, man. Like, there wasn't a lot of... Not a lot of content there. Not a lot of stuff to talk about. I've already praised the set dressing so many times. I think we, like, talked about all the things that we liked and disliked. Um, the soundtrack wasn't as good this time. Yeah. I think they had less money. I think, uh, I didn't like the set as much because it didn't feel as open to me. It felt like a lot of green screen and a lot of... Really? Because I saw a lot of practical set. Soundstage, whereas I felt like the last one, I felt like we were in Bedrock. Like, we they, saw the street of Bedrock. We they saw... did do a lot of outdoor filming in the first one. Um, for sure. I felt like in the first one, I didn't notice how uncomfortable people were about being barefoot. But in this one, I could tell that 
at least Wilma and Betty, like, when, especially in the carnival scene is when I really noticed it. Like, they were, like, trying to play it off like they were just daintily walking, but, like, you could tell that they were not particularly comfortable just walking that, barefoot in the desert. If I'm a director and I'm doing a Flintstones movie, I think I would make a note to have my actors do any and all rehearsing barefoot. Or you like, get, just get used to not wearing shoes. Or you get those, uh, you can make them green, but they have like those yoga shoes, which are basically just like cover the bottoms of your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get those. Um, and they're literally just stickers that go on the bottom of your feet and that would protect your feet from like rocks and shit. But I don't know. I think it plays into the dirty aesthetic of cavemen if you just make them do it barefoot. I mean, you could still do it barefoot. It's just like a sticker. Like you would, it would look like they were barefoot. Yeah, I but and then you could remove. I said make it green because then you could remove it in post. And... Yeah, but you could do that a lot easier now than you could twenty two years ago. Fair enough, but anyways, when they edited it in film, um, Green Gorilla spent extra points to get the next, the next two movies. Two movies, yes. Um, one of which is the Secrets of Dumbledore, catching us up to the next the... Fantastic Beasts movie. Um, and then the one. The other one will be... The Gentleman. The Gentleman. Woo. I'm excited. It's a good movie. Oh, There's a lot of things it. wrong with it, I but that's a good movie. I don't want to watch a Matthew McConaughey. It's not just a him movie. There's a lot of other people in it. Yeah, but he's in it. Colin... Uh, Colin... Farrell? Colin Farrell's in it. Hey. Hugh Grant's in it. Hugh Grant puts on a fucking monologue clinic in that movie. But Matthew McConaughey's in it. He is in it, yes, and he is the pinnacle character. All right. Suffer. Ha ha. Um, it's not just about him. He's the pinnacle character, but you know, there's other people. Well, th- there's a lot of stuff that goes on that strictly don't relate to him. So until then, goodbye. Good night. Have a nice time. I have to sneeze. <laughs>